Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. On today's show, musician Lawrence Summerfield returns to talk about movie soundtracks and his love for The Lord of the Rings. My name is Justin Hamilton, and nobody will ever get their hands on my precious here on Big Squid. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm going to keep this pretty brief because uh, I have the flu. I'm on the tail end of it and uh, basically I'm recording between coughing fits. Uh, I will take this opportunity to give you a little bit of advice out there in the big ugly world. If you catch up with a friend who, when you see them for the first time in a long time, they immediately give you a big hug and a kiss on the cheek, then immediately follow with, I've had the worst flu this week. You have every right to stand up, walk away from that person, go straight home, have a warm shower and disinfect yourself and not have anything else to do with that person. I can't begin to tell you how annoyed I was with my friend. And the, the worst thing is, is that she carried on like I was a nana. She was uh, acting as if I was overreacting uh, to this situation. And it's almost like she had no idea what had happened in the last two and a half years. So, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. If, if you're scared that you'll ruin the friendship when you end up sick... And it uh, has uh, an effect on uh, your work life, which means you don't uh, earn money, especially in tough times. Well, uh, fuck that friend. (laughs) That's how I feel about it now. You know, walk away from them. And if that ruins the friendship, guess what? The friendship's going to be ruined anyway. So anyway, I'm so annoyed and uh, it's a bummer. 
So only one podcast this week because I've got to make sure that I get over this and then I can uh, get back to work uh, properly. Uh, a big shout out to Grant Long who won my secret win shit of my desk competition. It's a competition that is open to Patreon supporters. Uh, normally I tell people what the competition is going to be, but this one I decided that I would keep it secret. And the reason I wanted to keep it secret was I wanted to see who would be the first person to write to me and give me their interpretation of the story that was released last week, which was the latest Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted short story entitled Squeak. And I didn't want to say to anyone, oh, look, look into it and then tell me what you think and write. I, I just wanted to see if, you know, anyone who's been listening to this podcast over these years and has a general gist of what I'm into and the things that I like, uh, I wanted to see who would be the first person who would uh, respond to that. And it was Grant Long. So Grant has uh, won some pretty cool shit off my desk and some annoying shit off my desk. That's how it goes. He did win uh, three Justin Cronin novels uh, that make up the Passage trilogy. So that's definitely the good part of it. And uh, some other stuff as well. Uh, Hopefully some of that other stuff is at the very least amusing. But anyway, uh, thank you, Grant, and uh, actually thank you to the rest of you who have subsequently been sending me your thoughts on the short story. If you haven't listened to it yet, uh, please give that episode a go, or even uh, the first one we produced, which is episode 41 of season five this season. That one's called King Hamster, and we have long-terms, uh, uh, long-term plans for this segment, and these short stories are just the beginning, so I'd love it if you could uh, check them out. Um. For those of you who haven't heard the previous podcast with my guest today, Lawrence Summerfield, he's a young musician I made friends with when I was in Adelaide who also just released his first album, The Sweetness, about a month ago. It's a fun, upbeat debut and will have you thinking nice summer thoughts during the cold winter. We were talking about movie soundtracks and he was talking about how much he loves the Lord of the Rings music, so I said let's get some microphones and record this chat. If you'd like to share uh, which movie soundtracks you love the most, I think the uh, ABC just voted the Star Wars music tops in their latest poll. Uh, Or maybe just which soundtracks were the first to make a mark on you, uh, head to our Big Squid with Justin Hamilton Facebook page and uh, leave me a message there underneath the post for this podcast. I'd love to hear which soundtracks have left the biggest mark on you. All right, let's bring in not only Lawrence, but also... A healthier version of me. Uh, Lawrence, good to see you again, and congratulations on your new album. I've uh, had an opportunity to listen to it in the perfect space, which was on a flight to Melbourne and a flight back to Sydney, so I could just have it in my ears, on my headphones, I could ignore everybody, I was masked up, just experiencing the album like you always imagine people would experience it, I'm guessing, right? Exactly how I imagined it. <laughs> All masked up, looking like a bandit. Uh, congratulations on it. It's a really fun album, uh, and there were a few songs that uh, I really enjoyed. The first song, I, I have to be honest, I'm very much a child of... Um, I can remember all the song titles on vinyl records. I can remember some of the song titles on CDs, and I can no longer remember <laughs> any song titles now that I just listen to things streaming. But uh, the first song uh, had a really kind of nice, uh, 
this is a compliment from me, by the way, but a really nice kind of 80s vibe with the synths and everything, and I uh, was really uh, quite immersive from the beginning. Uh, how hard is it to pick the first song to start off your album? That was, uh, to be honest, a no-brainer. Uh, really? Great. Yeah, because that, that one is Narcissist. And, yes. Uh, is that, that about song- me, by the way, that song? <laughs> like, I'm just, just, just checking. Well, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> Who's Narcissist about? Definitely not me. No. <laughs> Definitely not me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, I interrupted. That's ah, all good. Um, it was it was a no-brainer, yeah, because that song is really, it's the longest one on the album. So it's mm. the, it's sort of the most, it's the most self-indulgent uh, song and it's all about ego and battling with ego and embracing ego and all that. So I just thought this has to go right at the top in yep. in full caps, bold writing, and you know it's the yep. longest one with this really long, extended, gratuitous intro, and I yeah, so that that was so natural. Oh, it was great! I thought it was a perfect uh, opening, and it's funny that you mentioned that it was the longest, and I I did <laughs> clock that. A lot of the songs are, you know, uh, what about four four and a half minutes? Some are like three minutes. Like they're nice, and you get in, you hit hard. And then you get out. Was that a conscious decision, or is that just the way the songs evolved? That that's pretty much how they evolved. I actually did have to make some shorter because I, I have a tendency to write longer songs, right. and and that it was getting to the point where that it they didn't need to be that long. So yeah, I, I chopped a few things out of some of them and just you know made them that little bit sharper. Yeah, you weren't quite ready to drop your Kendrick Lamar magnum opus. <laughs> Haven't been around. You know, three-hour extravaganza no, just yet. No, exactly. You, you can work towards it. That's all right. Um, and then uh, there were a couple of songs. Uh, I tried to write notes while I was on the flight. Um, oh, a couple of the songs that I'd really like to hear live was Mental Health <clears throat> and Issues. Uh, f- funnily enough, titles that make you think, what? What do you mean you want to hear them live? But the, um, I think it was... Issues uh, was quite funky, and I'd like to yeah. hear how that sounds uh, uh, when you're performing live. And uh, the same with mental issues. There was something uh, quite engaging about it that made me want to move around. Uh, are they uh, are they the kind of songs that you would uh, – where would you place them in a live set, do you think? Oh, that's a very good question because they're, um, they're quite groovy and sort of energetic, those songs. Uh, so yeah. I suppose – that, that's a really good question. Where would I put them? I've never thought about that. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you need to workshop this kind of stuff, I'm I'm mad for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work out how you bring them up, bring them down, etc. Uh, do you mm. like uh, – uh, there's something a, a lot of fun, and this goes back to, uh, in many ways, for me, my love of uh, Elvis Costello, where there's quite poppy songs that he's written, and then sometimes mm. when you listen, you go, oh, man, there's some there's – some, Heavy stuff being discussed here as well. Yeah, there's yeah. there's something more going on. Uh, when you were writing these songs, uh, what kind of came first? Did you kind of uh, do they come across at the same time, or do you do you have a tune and then you start thinking about what's affecting you, and then that's what you write about, or how does that process come together? The hook sort of comes to me. So I was in both instances for issues and mental health I was driving and right uh the that that sort of lick I got issues that just sort of ca- came to me and I was like right. okay and I, I imagine that the sort of instrumental that would be around that and same with mental health that little 
uh, that little bit right before the chorus, like, why do you love me when I hate myself? That came to me. And then I thought, well, what would come after this? And then that sort of long extended question, what's mental health? Um, yeah. So that, that sort of melody and that hook and that lyric came to me at the same time. And then I, I had to sit down and, and sort of flatten that out and turn that into a whole song. So I, I sort of thought of all the, the context, like the lyrics uh, yeah. sort of later. But yeah, it was that main idea that came first. Do you, do you ever end up in a situation where you have a bit of music and you have some lyrics and you think this is going to be fantastic and then you try to put them together and it's like the lyrics taking the song in a different direction or the music is just kind of <laughs> flattening the emphasis of what you're trying to get across? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there are some different types of uh, like lyric writing and one of them is like conversational right. and it's when the lyrics are written in a way that it's sort of like you're speaking to someone and I really struggle to get away from that uh, style. That's sort of what's, what comes naturally to me. So there are, there are some songs like issues where that, that hook came to me and it's not necessarily conversational. It's just a statement. And then in the, in the, in the verse uh, I started to um, lean back into that conversational. It's like, I'm, I'm speaking to someone. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting because uh, I uh, I was going to say when I listened to it, even though the music is uh, upbeat and and fun, uh, I found the uh, lyrics to be confessional. It, it felt like you were confessing things. To yeah, me, especially that might be the intimacy of headphones. Do you know what I mean? Like when you've got headphones on and there's you are literally not focusing on anything else. It was a little bit like, hey, I've got some stuff to tell you. Yeah, uh, it is a lot like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it, I guess you're saying conversational. The conversation is uh, you're having a conversation with whoever's listening and kind yeah. of getting them in. It was fun to listen to the stuff that you'd given me uh, uh, when you were working them up and they weren't ready yet. Like um, uh, what was the... I think it was Shower Curtain. Yeah, the very it, early version it, of Shower Curtain. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, so it was it was fun to hear the development yeah. in, in that song and uh, there were a couple of others. Also, I think uh, if I if I remember correctly, I think Shower Curtain, th- this is uh, the biggest compliment I can give on this uh, podcast, but I felt like Shower Curtain could play at the end of a Pixar movie. Really? Yeah, it felt oh. like uh, maybe it was shower curtain. It was there was definitely uh, there was definitely one that was. Um, let me see if I can if I've got this right because there was definitely one where I was listening to it and uh, there was just something to it that I was like, oh, this would be like I could imagine this going up after having had a good time. Yeah, it was shower curtain. Shower curtain. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm very glad that you got that vibe. That that is a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. So Pixar, if you're listening, we've we've got a song ready to go. <laughs> you're unfortunately not going to win an Oscar because you've already released it. But uh, you know, you, you, if you want to write something new, he's right here. <laughs> he is right here. I've always got ideas. <laughs> always got ideas. Exactly. Uh, and that's a kind of um, uh, inadvertent segue into what we were also going to discuss today, which was movie soundtracks. Ooh, and yeah. I'm really curious. Uh, what was the first soundtrack that you were really cognizant about? Like, I think there's always the movies where the soundtracks take you on a, a, a trip and a bit of a journey through a film, but there's a moment when you actually sit there and go, 
oh, right, hang on a sec, this is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, so what was that for you? For me, I, I would definitely say that's Lord of the Rings. Right, yeah. So how old that, are you when you see Lord of the Rings? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, I think I, when, I, when I sort of had my like first big experience with it, because I'd seen little bits and bobs here and there, and I think I was probably uh, 12 or 13 yeah, right. Great. Uh, yeah. And what uh, was it about that soundtrack that uh, really stood out to you? It was so moving. It's Yeah. It's so compelling and uh you know that that those movies are very sort of heroic, good versus bad and and that score just completely uh I think very wholly uh captures the yeah. that just that good versus evil, uh, bravery, heroic, uh, feel, and yeah. it 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 was infectious, right? And was is is the Lord of the Rings film? Uh, is that kind of more your Star Wars? Is that your generation's Star Wars? Uh, I know a lot of friends who actually really, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings was a seminal movie experience for mm. them. I I would say it's probably my Star Wars. Um, yeah. But I think Star Wars is I think Star Wars is probably on a, a a whole different level because a lot of my friends who are my age are Star Wars nuts. Oh and really? So yep. yeah, it, it 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 I think that just permeates every generation. Uh, whereas maybe the Lord of the Rings is a little bit more specific. Right. Mm. Like a little bit more of a, a to the side fandom, which is good, I reckon, because it kind of leaves it a little bit uh, untainted. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's a lot of, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, that A lot of the, I, I suppose, the fandom of uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings, it's, it's very uh, unanimous in its opinions about the movies. Right. Uh, where in, in like the Star Wars, uh, it, you know, the Star Wars fans, I feel like there's just constant disagreements happening and... Um, uh, it's 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 a all one big mess of uh, opinions, but yeah, I feel like there's some strange uh, appreciation and respect in uh, that Lord of the Rings fandom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get exactly what you mean because I'm. Uh, that's that's so funny that you bring that up because it's only been uh, in this last week or so that I have been genuinely fascinated by how excited people are that Hayden Christensen is coming back as Darth <laughs> Vader in Kenobi. And what's fascinating is I remember everyone shitting on that poor boy oh, when, yeah. he, when the prequels came out. Mm. Like, you know, I don't want fucking Darth Vader to be a whiny kid who misses his mum, you know. But then <clears> now <throat> all the kids that saw the prequels first who grew up with Hayden Christensen, they love him. And so now there's this nostalgia trip of, yes, Christensen is back, and I'm like, don't get me wrong. I think it's, I, I think it's really good for the poor actor. I always thought he got a raw deal. Oh, he got a know. bit shafted, yeah, mate. Like his his two sticks now make fire. Like <laughs> it was a fucking disaster for him. Yeah, but you know he did his best uh, with what he could. Uh, you know what he had at his disposal. But anyway, it's really interesting to now see people going. This is great. Whereas with Lord of the Rings, they're about the only mild, the mildest of disagreements I ever hear from any fan is the, oh, why didn't they just use those eagles at the start? <laughs> and 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 it's also, it's such a dumb argument because it's like, 
Well, well, then you wouldn't have these three great movies, you fucking. Yeah, I think there, there is always someone who's going to pick apart those little, yeah. you know, what what they call plot holes. But uh, yeah. your movie wouldn't happen uh, if that yeah. didn't. So you know. So, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, was there a particular uh, song or bit of music in Lord of the Rings? Uh, and, and sorry, which one are we talking about? Are we talking about the first one? I mean, or all three. They're sort of one giant movie to me because yeah. it's just all. I mean, they were shot back to back, yeah, or they were shot yeah. sort of as one. So, yeah, yeah. To me, it's just one giant sort of three part experience. But um, the the there was a, a particular piece of music, uh, and it's in the second. One, uh, the two towers, and it's called uh, the Last March of the Ents, I think. Right. Yeah. And there was something about, it, and it, it's not even a big piece of music. It's it's like a minute long, um, and it really stuck with me. Like it was, it, it the, 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 there was so much emotion and power in that little piece of music, and I think maybe. Maybe that's why I'm here today. This it's uh, it's this snowball effect, you know. That one piece of music is why I'm here uh, talking yeah. about it now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great though, isn't it? Like it's uh, there's nothing better than um, there's a particular music in say Interstellar where um, Matthew McConaughey has to <coughs> dock the uh, the spaceship before it crashes into that planet. And I know the name uh, of that piece of music. It's uh, no time it? for caution, I think. No time for caution. That's it. Exactly. I was drawing a blank on it. Well yeah. done. <laughs> Young people coming to the save, uh, saviour of the old people. Uh, yeah, you know, and it feels it, like it, it, it gets inside and it feels like your ribs are going to crack open because uh, your chest is so full and, it, and, it's, uh, and it's a very hard thing to describe to people who don't feel that. But yeah. people like us, we can kind of go, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm about to – burst into tears and I'm <laughs> and I'm in a good mood. I don't really understand why, but yeah. that's what's happening. Inexplicable. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I definitely the, understand that. The 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 first music that uh I kind of clocked was uh probably I was a little bit older than you at the time, but uh was The Untouchables but with music by Ennio Morricone. Yes. And that was the first time that I was like, what the fuck is happening here? It was Unlike anything I'd heard before, and it was uh, it was driving, and it uh, had incredibly emotional aspects to it, mm. and then it was uh, that film in particular was a gateway film to me, not just for soundtracks, but also for uh, gangster films as well. Because as soon as Mum knew that I was obsessing over this film. Uh, suddenly it was like, oh, and sorry, also with The Untouchables, it was the use of uh, uh, the opera Pagliacci, you know, like incorporating that within it. If you go back and you watch the Untouchables trailer, it is a scorcher. And that was when I went, I'm seeing that film. And then I saw the film and had all these feelings. But anyway, mum was like, if you like that film, check this out. And they re-released The Godfather at the cinema. And I uh. saw The Godfather. And then you get The Godfather music. And then retrospectively, when I rewatched watched uh, films that I'd seen many times before, I was like, hey, this John Williams, he really does some good stuff as well. Like it just kind of made me cognizant <laughs> going backwards of like I always knew the music was great, but now I you know had a why? greater appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely a point in uh, a lot of people's lives when they realise that it was John Williams the whole time and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they actually know who that is, yeah. 
Yeah. Has there been any music that you've seen in a film recently or or uh, where you've just gone, ah, this is – you've over-egged it? Because I, I, I'll give you an example for me. I went and saw the Doctor Strange movie and anyone yeah. who listens to this podcast knows how much I hated it. Oh, no. And, and the uh, – <laughs> If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> I really turned. Uh, and I just found the, while I was sitting there through the music, I was like, oh, what is going on with this? And then it was like, oh, it's Danny Elfman. And I'm, I don't dislike Danny Elfman, but over the t- over the years, his music seems to have, like his early stuff, I was like, I'm, I'm a fan of his early stuff. His mm, early stuff mm. was kind of, oh, that's Danny Elfman, and that now it's a little bit like, oh, for fuck's sake, it's Danny Elfman. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know? a little bit homogenized. I, th- I think I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, have you experienced a film that's had music that's taken you out of the experience? Uh, yeah, not actually a film score though. Um, the Disney movie Encanto. Uh, okay, I watched that uh, when that came out. Um, and it's a musical and yep. I found nearly every song in the movie to be incredibly grinding and just a sort of departure from what you would expect from Disney. And uh, even on a level of production, I noticed that there were like inconsistencies in the recordings and right. I, I feel crazy because- no one else seemed to hear these things. And I got out ah. of that and went like, I could hear a difference in recording quality or uh, there, were, there were these inconsistencies or mistakes. And I just couldn't believe that it was coming from Disney, um, you know, right. with, with all that money. Right. Well, that's, you know, Disney owns uh, Marvel and Doctor Strange looked fucking cheap. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there was a point where Doctor Strange is in handcuffs and I'm like, mate, just break them. They're quite clearly plastic. You're you're fine. Just move both hands in opposite directions and that shit will snap. You will be good. So, you know, it always turns out that, uh, you know, once a big company is making a lot of money, the first thing they do is try to make sure that they don't spend much. Mm. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, also that as a you know you're you're like my friend uh, Gatesy from Tripod. He's a real audiophile as well, and he will sit there and he will be you know twitching when he's hearing some stuff, oh, no. and I he, he'll he'll have to point it out to me because I don't quite have that ear for it. I know what I like, but unless it's really obvious, I'm a bit. Oh, I didn't. I didn't quite notice. Is that what happened with your friends as well? Were they looking at you as if to think you were insane? Well, I, I sort of felt insane because I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't uh, looking for these things. I was just, mm. I, you know, I was trying to just enjoy the movie. But that, that's the thing. To me, they were sticking out like a sore thumb, and yeah. to my friends, they they you know, had no idea. And yeah. so I felt crazy because they yeah. they they just had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, can't you hear that? Can't you hear that? No. Yeah. No, no. What are you talking about? Why are you bringing us down? And it, yeah. it, it's it's funny, isn't it? When you when you notice something that seems really obvious, and you point it out to other people, and they're, yeah, no, I liked it, and you go, okay, <laughs> well, I'm great. done with you. <laughs> yeah, you've won. I guess I'll just keep moving over here. Um, getting back to Lord of the Rings, uh, is uh, is there a character that gets a particular uh, theme that uh, appeals to you, or? Uh, is there? Uh, I know you mentioned uh, the march as being uh, a, a, the bit of music that really stood out to yeah. you. Character-wise, they usually get their own sound, don't they? Uh, with the Lord of the Rings, uh, there are several light motifs that. Oh, oh, I mean, do, do you know what a light motif is? No, no, go for it. Explain it. So, a light motif is it's basically just a musical phrase or melody or idea that is associated with uh, uh, a concept, like a symbol or a theme. So Howard Shaw, the composer, he doesn't necessarily write any leitmotifs for characters, but he'll, he'll write them for sort of themes and symbols. And so uh, you can hear sometimes uh, there's a leitmotif for like nature, which is from that last March of the Ents that I mentioned before. Uh, But you hear that, in other moments because it's such a sort of compelling and sort of crescendo that it it can be put into other, uh, other instances. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that, that, that one, that, that is present. That leitmotif is present in other places in the movie. So I think that, yeah, that is just the one that really hooked me. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, is is that what he does with all of his soundtracks, or was that just a, an angle that he took for Lord of the Rings? It, it's definitely a Howard Shore sort of staple. Um, uh, you you can probably he he hasn't done a huge amount uh, since Lord of the Rings. Like, uh, yeah, he hasn't sort of um, been around that much, but you can definitely sort of uh, pick it out when. Um, when it is his score because yeah, he does really have a a very fluid sort of style. Mm. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I I love those uh, different uh, approaches to, uh, you know, that you start to pick up with, uh, with different composers, etc. The, um, you know, when I rewatch something like uh, the dark Knight, the, you know, that particular Joker music when they're, Transporting Harvey Dent, and it's yeah. suddenly it's the, it's nighttime in Gotham, and the fire trucks on fire, and it's that it's that noise that I, I don't even know. You could probably describe it much better than me, but it kind of sets your teeth on edge a little yeah. bit. So it's it's a drone. If, if I if I'm thinking of what you're thinking yeah. about, um, 
it's it's this um they're strings and yeah uh, it's uh, i can't remember the name of the technique but it's essentially there'll be a group of violinists or you know string players and they'll just be doing a a rising note yeah. um that high pitch rising note and when they get sort of so high that they can't go any higher than someone else or another you know group they'll take over and so it's right. constantly ascending and it's yes. constantly rising and that's why it's setting your teeth on edge because it's just this ever this 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 thing that's just going on forever just just rising and rising the tensions rising and it's just really really tense and uh and and stressful yeah Oh, yeah. And it's funny because I have seen, this will shock you, I've seen that movie stacks of heaps of times. And every time I get to that, I, because of the music, I constantly have that same, oh, that kind of, oh, this is happening kind of moment. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a rollicking, you know, set piece. Um, what would, uh, if you were to get into uh, making soundtracks uh, for, for movies, what, what type of movie do you think you would be? Like if you had your pick, would be uh, the the type of film that you'd love to work on. Uh, very, very basic answer, but fantasy. I would love to do yeah. a fantasy movie. Yeah, because that's your writing as well. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's what I'm drawn to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. The uh, you should get in touch with them about the uh, Lord of the Rings Amazon billion dollar TV series that they're. Oh making. wow! Yeah. Uh, Howard Shaw is actually coming back to compose that. Oh right! So right. Um, that's that's something that I'm very excited for. Do you have much uh, insight into that? Because I kind of have done a little bit of reading, and they're kind of drawing from uh, other works of Tolkien's, but also uh, there's there's kind of weird rights issues, isn't there? Like there's the the estate that owns and looks after Lord of the Rings, I think, and the Hobbit stuff. But then there's the appendices, etc., that are possibly owned by someone else so they can only draw on certain aspects. Is that right? They were given very limited access to the material that's set in a specific time period, like the second age of Middle-earth. Right. Um, so they've had to to invent, I think, uh, a sort of half a cast of characters because they were only allowed to use a very specific uh, section uh, of the work. Right. Yeah, so I think they ha- they have had some uh, some rights issues. Yeah, yeah. How are you feeling about the series? Are you feeling confident? Are you are you have you got all the fingers and toes crossed? I feel like I'm one of the very few people that just wholeheartedly is excited for it. Yeah. I I really don't see if if I don't like it then I I I think I'll just I'll go okay, that's Yeah. that's a shame. But these people are um they're calling it they're calling it now. They're going like no, it's going to be terrible and oh, it's right. it's going to bastardize Tolkien's work and I'm just sitting back going like come on, like we've seen one trailer and we know very little. I think we should just, you know, stay calm. Stay calm yeah. and enjoy it when it comes out. Yeah, I'm uh, like you. I'm an optimistic moviegoer. I go into every film <laughs> wanting to love it. And then if I don't love it, I'll deal with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I went in wanting to love Doctor Strange and then I dealt with not loving it 
by recording the uh, podcast with Adam and Ben. Like that was <laughs> get it out of the system. Yeah. But but it's also a bit of a bummer as well. Like e- even though that was a kind of a fun podcast to record, y- y- you are bummed out that you went and saw something that just wasn't as good as it could have been. That's that's the bummer. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, unless you're going to a movie that you know is going to be terrible and you're just going to em- embrace the terribleness, I guess. <laughs> like uh, The Room or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like yeah. The Room, yeah. yeah. I've got to be honest, I've never quite understood that. If, like, if a movie's not good, I'm just like, like I'd rather watch The Making. The, uh, I'd rather watch The Disaster Artist about The Room yeah. than, than watch The Room. Yeah, I mean, that. The, <laughs> I think both of those movies are... Hilarious, but they're just for very, very different reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, one, one kind of knows where it's going, and the other one is the room. <laughs> yeah. uh, what about um, uh, getting slightly uh, adjacent with uh, the new Lord of the Rings? There's also the new Game of Thrones coming up as mm. well. Were you a Game of Thrones fan? I, uh, are you excited for this? I, I was a Game of Thrones fan. Um, yeah, was. Uh, yeah, like I, I binged the whole series and, and I, I bought the one to seven box set. And yeah. then when that eighth season came out, like I think I think for a lot of people it, it did leave a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. But uh, there is that, that new The House of the Dragon that's coming out. And honestly, I, I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to yeah. watch that. Um, yeah. It's like, it's just set in a, in a, in a, time in that universe that's not very interesting to me and you're going to have to deal with attaching yourself to a whole new cast of characters and right. yeah, it's just to be honest I'm I'm just not too not too fast not too fast yeah, yeah. it's funny the uh, I I think I'll probably give it a go but only cuz I love Matt Smith from his days of Doctor Who yeah. so you know I'll always I'll always give Matt Smith a go. Yeah, have so, you um, I, seen any of the the set pictures? I've seen some of the set pictures. Yeah. I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, yeah, this looks all right. They've like, somehow uh, given him less eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's remarkable. Like, it is absolutely remarkable mm. that he's finally got less eyebrows. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's, you know, I think uh, his first season of Doctor Who is my... Favorite season of Doctor Who, so you know, anything he does, I'll be like, ah, you know, I'll give this a go. Cause yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see, I'd like to see him get the uh, the sort of recognition and the acting. It's not, it's not the recognition. It's more the acting opportunities that come with the recognition. Yeah. So I'd like to see him make some good stuff from here. Uh, so the big question I have to ask you about Lord of the Rings, and it always feels like a, a dangerous one to ask anybody, but uh, how'd you go with the Hobbit trilogy? Now this is a a bit of a detailed answer for me because yeah that first it. Hobbit movie came out, um, and like, I fell in love because right. I mean it it was almost like my Star Wars prequels like I, they came out in a a much more accessible time for me uh, yeah. as a as a a young boy and yep. I yeah like I was just enthralled that first Hobbit movie for me is on par with the Lord of the Rings movies. Right. Um, and, you know, then, then sub- subsequently uh, those other movies came out, the second one, the third one, and, and they just got worse. 
Right. Every time. And, you know, I was, I was still sort of tentatively excited for the last installment when that second one came out. Um, but it was just a bit of a flop for me. And I, I have, it's, it's still a very sort of uh, soft spot in my heart yeah. uh, for The Hobbit. Like I actually like those movies and I like watching them, but um, yeah, cause I'm not, I'm not enraged by them like some people, but uh, <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think like there's still, they didn't really uh, at the end of the day, didn't really come close. <clears throat> Sorry. They didn't really come close to capturing uh, that same feeling that Lord of the Rings did. Yeah, what do you? It, it felt like. Uh, look, to be honest, uh, I really enjoyed Lord of the Rings, and when the Hobbit was coming out, I was a bit like, I don't know. I feel like I've had a pretty good relationship with these movies. I, I don't know if I really care about yeah. this part of it. And then uh, my friend Adam Richard saw it, and he said, "Oh, there's 30 minutes of singing," and I was like, "Oh no, I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> but then I heard uh, Then I heard the subsequent uh, Not dissimilar to what you're saying Which is with each one And it's, it feels like they took uh, Something that was an interesting subject And then just Maybe if they'd done one movie It would have been great But they stretched it out over three Yeah I, I'm not too upset with The Like Trilogyifying of it I I think I can definitely see Why it would be a foolish thing to do To like You know like a 300 page book to you know turn that into three movies but yeah. uh I honestly didn't too, I didn't mind too much because I thought well Lord of the Rings is a trilogy like now they're making a Hobbit yeah. trilogy like it but I think at the end of the day it was a bit hurtful to the yeah. story they were telling and hearing about the production nightmares like I just feel so sorry for Peter Jackson um in the making of those movies but apparently it was such a nightmare yeah, well, wasn't Guillermo del Toro supposed to be directing the movies to begin with and then uh, he was gone after doing quite a bit of prep work on yeah. it? Yeah, can you imagine just one Hobbit movie directed by Guillermo del Toro? Like, that would have been something lush. else. That would it have been, been a very lush film. Yeah, but um, no, yeah, I, th- I think I think he started having creative differences uh, with, right. with like the studio and and the other people involved, so I think he stepped down because he just wasn't liking where it was heading. Yeah, and did Howard Shaw do the soundtrack for those films as well? He did, yeah, and yeah. and I think the soundtrack is w- one of the things that I can enjoy a lot um, uh, with those movies. Like you know, uh, the the singing for me. Uh, I actually enjoyed it quite a lot. Did you? Um, right. Okay. Yeah, well, the, don't let me be an <laughs> arsehole here. Like. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I was, um, it, it wasn't too grinding for me and the yeah. the music is, is pretty gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, well, at least you, at worst, you got, you know, another three albums of uh, soundtracks out of it. Exactly. So that's positive. Yeah. And, uh, and, even though you didn't love the uh, the second trilogy, did you still buy a box set and uh, the Blu-rays? And yeah, I've got the Hobbit yeah. <laughs> uh, Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't help myself. It's funny when you make a commitment. Do you know what I mean? You're just like, I'm going to yeah. get all of these yeah. things. So I'm glad I broke that with the Marvel movies early on when I was like, wait a minute, this could end up being pretty expensive and mm. do I really need mm. to rewatch Thor the Dark World? No, I do not. So let's move on. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Uh, the, uh, the Lord of the Rings, actually talking about this, I have not, uh, confession, even though I saw all three at the cinema and I really enjoyed them, I've never watched them again. And uh, Ben Elwood, 
is horrified by this and we've often talked about uh, re-watching them for the podcast so um, maybe maybe this will be the thing that gets me off my ass and and what give me some advice do I watch the extended versions or do I watch the original well um, am I asking the wrong person no you I see my answer is always going to be watch the extended versions but um, yeah. there, there's a reason why there was a theatrical cut so right. what you're missing out on in the extended versions is more sort of like little cute character moments and some extraneous details like why a specific thing is in someone's hand or something like that. Right. It, it's nothing that is integral to the plot. And so, and I also recommend watching them all at once, um, which is right. something like eight or nine hours, which is a, it's a pretty big job, but yeah. Uh, yeah so it, it pretty much depends on how much you want to commit. Yes. Well, I figure if you're going to do it, you may as well commit. There you go. I mean? Then uh, Maybe. watch the extended uh, editions. We, we, we might have to get <clears> you over to Sydney and we'll, we'll get Ben in and we'll, the three of us will watch a movie, record, watch the next movie, record, <laughs> and then by the third recording have this delirious, you know. We'll just be sitting mo- around, coffee, five o'clock shadows. Just- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get a five o'clock shadow, shadow very quickly. <laughs> it's like a fifteen-minute later shadow, oh, so no. I'll be I'll be a um, I'll be a grizzly bear by the time we get to the end of it. So that'll be great, uh, Lawrence. Always good to catch up with you. Uh, pick another soundtrack for us. Come back and let's talk some uh, more music and uh, let everyone know where they can find your new album. Uh, it's uh, it's called The Sweetness, and it's uh, on all streaming services: Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, uh, Deezer. If you know that one, and um, yeah. <laughs> it's out there. It's it, ready to go. It is. I, Listen I, to it. I'm a, I'm officially a follower that's, oh. uh, through Spotify, so you can uh, you can put that on the resume. He's following me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, congratulations on the album. It's great. It's Thank a, you so it's much. It's a really fun album, and, uh, you know, uh, I really would love uh, everyone to go and check it out. It's, mm. uh, it's a really good time. So, uh, uh, And I'll see you soon in Adelaide. So thanks for that, Lawrence. Yeah, see you around. Thanks to Lawrence for being my guest today and don't forget to check out his debut album The Sweetness on Spotify, Apple Music or whichever platform suits you best. Uh, This flu is kicking my butt so I'm going to get out of here but we'll be back on track next week with two podcasts. Uh, One is starring Bryden Coverdale, the shark from The Chase. That's right. The number one rated show outside of the news in Australia. It's uh, The Shark. He has a new book called uh, The Quizmasters, a really fun chat about the world of TV quiz shows in Australia and how Brighton became one of the leading people in his field. That's a really fun chat, really interesting chat as well, especially if you remember some of those old shows. Uh, I also have a Change of Pace podcast with a remarkable woman called Dr. Aditi Paul, a dating and relationship researcher based in New York, whose new book is entitled The Current Collegiate hookup culture which is a really fascinating and funny discussion about what the young people are getting up to on the dating scene Uh, i can't wait for you to hear both chats some of my favorites of the year and uh yeah yeah you'll be in for a real treat next week uh let's finish today's episode with a quote from john williams there's a very basic human non-verbal aspect to our need to make music and use it as part of our human expression It doesn't have to do with body movements. It doesn't have to do with articulation of a language. 
but with something spiritual. Stay safe out there. And uh, once again, if someone tells you that they've got a cold, no matter how good of friends you are with them, just walk away. Look after your health. That's the number one priority here. Until then. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.